In the midst of turmoil in the commodity markets, natural disasters, and rural recessions that just won't quit, America is now facing a new and unprecedented challenge, a global pandemic. While we know that farmers and ranchers are resilient, this is an incredibly stressful time for many of our listeners. Joining us today to talk about the effect of the coronavirus on rural America and the role farm policy will play is Congressman Mike Conaway from Texas. Congressman Conaway is the current ranking member on the House Agriculture Committee. And of course, he was the previous chairman and the chief architect of the 2018 Farm Bill. Chairman Conaway is one of the most steadfast champions for America's farmers and ranchers. And now more than ever, we're thankful for his great leadership and knowledge of the unique needs of rural America. Thank you, Chairman Conaway, Congressman Conaway, for joining us today on Groundwork. I do want to ask first, just how are you doing? How is Suzanne doing? Uh, uh, we're all concerned for one another's health right now. Well, Tom, thanks for having me on, buddy. And uh, Suzanne and I are blessed uh, beyond measure. Uh, our health is good. We've been able to do the social distancing thing. and have not been um, uh, affected by this. I, I can confess that I was in the room with, uh, with uh, Mario uh, diaz Delart uh, a couple of days before he tested positive. And so I spent the next 14 days, like everybody else who's been in a, a similar situation, you know, every sneeze, every cough, and, you know, every, you know, allergy thing, thinking, yeah. oh, my gosh, here it comes. And, and so I've, I've, that's been my – that's been the closest I've come to – any kind of experiencing uh, what uh, what thousands of our families are across this nation are le- le- legitimately dealing with, with their loved ones being sick, uh, and so it's uh, you know it's affecting all of us. This is also such a trying time for our nation's farmers, uh, and you've been a clear leader in that area for so many years. But as you're very aware, it, it can't just stop farming. <laughs> in the case of like a dairy farmer, they can't stop milking. That cow has to be milked. People are relying on them to feed and nourish our families. Um, And of course, we're blessed in this nation to to have this really incredibly safe and abundant and affordable food supply that that people take for granted year after year. But uh, just with that context, what are you seeing as the biggest challenges facing rural America right now? Well, Tom, unlike most of the rest of the economy back in uh, January and most of February, which was going great guns, uh, the ag community in rural America has not. Uh, the production yeah. agriculture, as your listeners are well aware of and live every single day, uh, overall income is down over a third over the last seven years. And so unlike the rest of the country who came into this uh, crisis with uh, in relatively good shape, uh, the producers were not in good shape. They've uh, borrowed money, they've you know uh, used up capital and uh, are, are you know, facing really difficult times, and commodity prices were not good coming into this uh, circumstance. And now with the, the disruption in the way Americans typically eat, uh, that's had a, 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 a unexpected but but a negative impact on the commodity prices that our producers are receiving as the as the supply chain resets itself to provide more food for folks at home versus. Uh, over 50% of our meals had been eaten in restaurants before that. Yeah. That's a different packaging process. It's a different supply chain. And so all of that has has served up to uh, make the impact of this COVID even harder on uh, on folks in production agriculture than uh, than everybody else because they just didn't have the kind of resources in reserve that uh, most, of the, most segments of the rest of the economy did have. 
That's such a great point. I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, uh, I've read stats in the last couple of days about, you know, dairy being down 30% in terms of the price as far as receiving and cattle, uh, uh, beef cattle being down 35% and cotton being down 35 to 40%. But as you rightly point out, they started out low. My belief is Congress and Washington and Secretary Purdue, they understand that. They, they get it. Would you, would you agree with that? Certainly certain segments of it do. What I was disappointed, Tom, is that when we passed the CARES Act at the end of March, uh, the negotiations going into that last week before the 27th, coming out of the Senate before Speaker Pelosi and the Democrats got involved, and I don't, I don't mean to make this particularly partisan, but, but this is the sure. facts. The Senate Republicans and Democrats had agreed to, uh, to replenish a, the cash flow mechanism that USDA uses through up to the full $30 billion, that's the cap, and then to increase right. that cap to $50 billion to 20 extra, which was specifically for COVID-19 response. And then Speaker Pelosi brought her bill to the table that Sunday, and over that next four or five days, she was able to whittle down the resources going to rural America to be only $14 billion uh, instead of 23 for the yeah. replenishment of the CCC and nine five instead of the 20 on top. Now, don't get me right. wrong, 14 billion and nine five is a stunning amount of money. Now, with the 14 and the nine nine five, um, by the time this airs, we hopefully have the details of what Secretary Purdue has rolled out uh, on the uh, on this first tranche to uh, to address the first quarter impacts. The conversations I've had with him, uh, it's going to be. Uh, He's going to try to, to you know, spread that money as far as he can across as many segments of the uh, of the industry as he can. I know that going into the uh, uh, to negotiations, each of various segments, uh, interesting enough, had come to him with about a five billion dollar request, and he doesn't have enough money to give everybody five billion each. And so it's going to take you know the wisdom of Solomon on him, his part, his team's part, to uh, spread that as far as possible. But by the time this airs, we should know the details on that. And then it'll be up to USDA to be uh, moving to make that happen. I've also been in communication with him about uh, what that second round might look like, uh, if in fact there is going to be a second round, because uh, no one expects uh, the economy to rebound in the in the uh, second fiscal qu- the second quarter, uh, you know, last fiscal last quarter of fiscal year, uh, and so it's fully uh, you, know, you can pretty much argue uh, that there's going to be another round necessary for uh, for production agriculture in rural America. It is amazing, you know, in these times of crises, um, on one hand, it kind of brings out the best in our political system and structure. And, and, and you see, you know, elements of bipartisanship, the fact that, you know, we could move to pass such an enormous uh, aid package to address this pandemic, that is the CARES Act, so quickly. And, and some great new programs I want you to talk about, like this this PPP, but so you see some of the best, but then you also see just that kind of natural reversion to uh, uh, kind of peel back to to political angles and that kind of stuff. And it is sadly ag kind of got caught in the middle of that uh, in in this last, in this last round, as you say. Uh, Help is coming and um, uh, just a matter of uh, getting it done at this point in time. That's great to know, and thank you for for you mentioned you're, you're you've been talking and intervening with the secretary, and that's that's great news. I'm sure that's going to be it's not surprising to me, but it, but you know that's how Washington works, and and I, I hope all the listeners appreciate that you know it it between Congress and the administration, uh, um, you really do have a lot of interaction, a lot of people who care about rural America, 
Uh, speaking of CARE, I, I want you to comment uh, on the CARES Act and, and this other element that is so relevant to many people in rural America. That is this Paycheck Protection Program and the assistance that it can provide. Can you just comment, uh, Mr. Conway, briefly on, on uh, you know, was, was agriculture intended to be uh, uh, helped in that? What is the real kind of purpose and driver between that PPP program? And should our farmers and rural small businesses uh, be applying for that program? Well, the short answer is yes to both of those. Uh, uh, there were no carve-outs uh, from an industry standpoint on the PPP program. All small businesses were uh, eligible for it. And uh, uh, the first tranche. Now, the program, as, as our listeners will know by now, ran out of money on Thursday, uh, um, April the uh, uh, 16th was out of money. And so there's a big fight going on to, to replenish that. But uh, the first $350 billion that went out, uh, $3 billion of that went to, uh, there's a, a there's an industry coding, five-digit industry coding thing called NASICS, that's agriculture, forestry, and, uh, uh, and rural America. <clears throat> Those businesses got $3 billion of the $350 billion. So about uh, you know 1.2% of it or so went, some 27,000 uh, farming uh, operations were uh, under that nation's code, that's the best wow. breakout we can get of that. So, relatively small amount to uh, uh, to rural America under the farm nation. There are obviously other businesses that are in other nation codes that would have uh, been a part of the rural America Institute is, uh, issue. But there uh, there was specifically in the CARES Act, as I mentioned earlier in the conversation, 9.5 billion of new money, uh, and then a replenishment of some 14 billion under the cash flow mechanism called the Commodity Credit Corporation that, that USDA uses to fund their program. So um, yeah. but uh, uh, CARES Act was had, had basically three uh, tranches. One was a uh, direct payment to Americans, uh, taxpayers of, who made less than 75000 as an individual or less than 150000 as a couple. It was 1200 per person. And those, uh, those monies are going out, have gone out and are going out. And then there was the unemployment step up, uh, an increase in weekly unemployment benefits and uh as of you know this conversation there's some uh 16 17 million americans who are out of work already as a result of that so that was targeted to them and then you mentioned the paycheck protection program the idea there was to allow businesses to keep their employees on the payroll even though the employees weren't working to keep them on the payroll because we expect this turnaround on coming out of covid19 uh would not be like a normal uh, economic recovery from a recession or a downturn, which takes a long period of time, we think it's going to be relatively quick to come back. And one of the reasons for that was that you'd be able to keep your work, uh, uh, your work uh, force in place so that when it turned around and when demand for your products or services came back, your people would be ready to go back to work and so it'd be more nimble and keep that, that group off the unemployment rolls. And so that was the plan for the 350. It was wildly successful and over, you know, oversubscribed uh, within uh, less than two weeks of it coming live. And so uh, we hope that, uh, that by this time this conversation airs, that there are additional resources will have been provided so that other small businesses across this country can be doing that. And then for the largest companies, folks, businesses over uh, 500 employees, there was a, another guaranteed low program of some $500 billion that Treasury is uh, is implementing as well. But for, for most ordinary Americans like you and me, it was the unemployment piece, the direct payments for uh, tax rebates, and then the uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. Those were the three that were focused on 
uh, you know, good, hardworking Americans who uh, go to work every day or had been going to work every day, but under these stay-at-home orders that we're all doing, and, and rightfully so, because we want to break the back of this uh, this uh, virus running through our communities. Nevertheless, it had a, you know has an impact on the economy. So that was the, the rationale behind paying the businesses to keep their employees in place, even though their employees weren't coming to work every day, which is, you know, what we did find is that employers, that's just such a, a, a nap that their normal way of thinking, it really it was really difficult for them to say, all right, now I'm paying my people not to come to work. And the answer is yes, you're paying your people not to come to work. And that, and if yeah. you do that, then that uh, won't be a loan. It'll be a grant. Uh, and so that the idea was to keep them off unemployment, but uh, we'll yeah. see how and it works. It's been neat to see in my community, how employers have used that to be very creative. You know, that, that kind of, that help that little leg up that the PPP provides to think about how to diversify into using social media more for their business or, you know, the, the home deliveries of, of things. It's been really encouraging to see ingenuity uh, at its finest yeah. kind of propping up everywhere. As, and I think that little encouragement and, and lift up from the PPP has been helpful in that area. Well, and, I, and, but you're, you're exactly right to watch the American uh, entrepreneur, and, uh, and, and all these businesses respond to having to meet customer needs in ways that are dramatically different than they ever did. And quite frankly, the innovative ways in which they've done it. And then the small businesses popping up that are acting as facilitators between where the services or goods are and where the people are, uh, you know, additional delivery services, all those kind of things. It, uh, you know, America is, is tough and she's resilient and our people are really tough and resilient. Uh, and we will get through this. It's hard right now. But uh, but there will be uh, better times ahead of us, and uh, and part of that is just that that, that great American uh, get it done spirit that's coming through in lots of different ways. I think that's so beautiful and so perfectly said. It's it's kind of what we see every year in some place and in some way with with our farmers and ranchers who, you know, they kind of have some form of adversity, whether it's weather or you know a market crash or a trade war every year, and and we see that resiliency. Right now, we're kind of seeing it in all the economy. So we talked about the other part of this package, the 23.5 billion, the 9.5, and the 14 for agriculture. Obviously, I know there's also some provisions for like food banks. Obviously, in agriculture, we always talk about feeding people, and I think there was 400 million for the emergency food assistance program to, to help uh, do bonus buys for for food banks. Uh, that's been a beautiful thing too, seeing how how citizens have stepped up with generosity to support local feeding efforts. Um, I know my kids are delivering meals on wheels and that kind of stuff while they're out of school. And, and that's just, you know, and that's happening all over the nation. The, the second, the second tranche, you know, there's been three bills. The second tranche provided uh, over 400 billion, 400 million for uh, feeding America or the food banks. And then this third cares act also. So we're approaching uh, almost a billion dollars of that help. And then I'm, I'm confident that a part of the uh, 9-5 that the, the uh, secretary is going to use, he will use that for direct purchases for uh, food that would be purchased uh, to keep it out, to, to keep it from being, you know, dis, you know uh, disposed of. And that will then go to food banks as well. So you're exactly right. Uh, this is a, a lot of attention paid on making sure that in addition to unemployment, that folks have, people have access to, uh, to food banks in, in, a, in a more fulsome way. I think it is. It's important that people have seen in this in this um, pandemic the importance of the full supply chain. Obviously, it starts with the farmer, 
but going all the way to the to the end user and we we really should count our blessings for what we what we know and what we have in this U.S. But you know, even it, you know, it's going to be strained uh, by a pandemic like this. But, but I think it's proving its 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 sturdiness uh, at this point. I mean, there are stresses and strains. You've had packing plants that have had COVID out, outbreaks that they've had to shut down. You've had other places where folks quit going to work uh, because of fear of the of the disease. But I think as we as we progress down this path. Uh, we'll see an opportunity to protect the folks who are the most vulnerable. We know that that people with underlying conditions and and uh, and older folks are more susceptible to the to the worst outcomes, but that uh, the rest of the population, uh, you know, re- tolerates uh, the sicknesses, the fever, and everything else relatively well, and that we will reopen the economy with some recognition that we've got to do that without a complete, uh, you know, uh, uh, elimination of the virus. Uh, being smart about how we bring the economy back, and and uh, that will help a lot of folks uh, feel better about getting it back to work. But it also helps strengthen our food supply chain as we're able to make sure that the trucking system and processors, as well as the growers, who we're probably talking to more now, uh, keep their operations going at uh, in these crucial times. But things will get better. And you do think there will be a a, a fourth package? Um, uh, coming through Congress or, or a fourth attempt to address this need that goes beyond the CARES Act. Could you comment just a little bit more on, on what, what, what you are looking for in, in that package? I think if there's a fourth one, that it should be uh, as targeted as we can make it. You know, the CARES Act was kind of a blanket. Everybody's in this fight. But I, I think there will be segments of the, com- of the uh, economy that emerge quicker than others, and they might not need the kind of help that we did under the, under the CARES Act. And so that if there's a fourth one, I would hope that it's uh, as targeted as, you know, we are borrowing money to pay all of this from future generations. You mentioned your children. They're going to be paying the interest on this debt for a long time. And so we want to be as, as responsible as we can in that regard and, and target it. Uh, with respect to agriculture, uh, yeah, I think the uh, uh, the pain in that system is going to go even you know, you know beyond just uh, uh, the reopening, and so there will be issues there. Um, but again, without knowing what the response are, how quick the restaurants begin to to reopen to uh, to, to dining in as opposed to just takeout and, and delivery, those kinds of things, not knowing how quickly that supply chain moves forward. But you know, we were again. This is. I hate to, you know, the, the folks who live this every day understand it, but in January, when the economy was great, it was still hard in farm in, in, in production agriculture. It was not good then, and so it's hard to say we get the economy going again, you'll be okay because they weren't okay when the economy was going well uh, as recently as January, February. So um, I hope that whatever that fourth one looks like, if there is, it will reflect the fact that. Uh, there are hard times in rural America that aren't getting better naturally from the, the economy getting better uh, and may very well need uh, more targeted uh, help than, uh, than, say, some other segments. I, I might ask if, if I can take the liberty uh, here, Mr. Conaway. Um, I, I assume this, this pandemic has made you reflective like it has a lot of people. It kind of gets to the core of, of, of probably why you committed yourself to, to public service in such a big way. I know you to be a man of deep faith and convictions and great sincerity, but I'd love for the listeners just to just to hear a little bit about what drove you to, to run for Congress to serve your nation in this way and maybe the legacy you'd like to leave uh, for those who'd, who'd, who'd come after. No, there's a uh, 
um, you know, there's, there's two sets of skills that you need to do the job that I've been doing. One set is to the skills actually do that job. And I was way confident I had that set of skills, but you also have to have a set of skills, as you know, from your experience with Larry Combest to get the job and they are not the same set of skills. Um, you know, God had blessed me with a little bit of, of, um, uh, uh, talent and a great deal of life experiences that I thought qualified me to do this job. There's uh, there's a verse in Luke 12:48 that says, "To whom much is given, much is required," and uh, and I've been I've been given a lot, and so um, you know, giving back was was a part of it, and uh, and that responsibility. So it's been a uh, excuse me, a heck of a uh, 15 and a half year run, and I hope that I've uh, I've uh, I've honored. Yeah, uh, God's will for my life because I do believe I'm in this uh, in this spot uh, directly in His will. Um, what I've been sharing with uh, audiences that uh, mostly on the phone because we're doing the social distancing thing is uh, there's a promise that God made uh, in the Old Testament that our nation needed before all of this started, but she clearly needs it even more uh, today, and that's the promise in Second Chronicles seven fourteen that says, uh, "People." who will call by my name, if they'll humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face and pray, I'll hear them from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. Uh, we need that individually every single day, but our nation needs that promise more uh, today than she ever has. And so I've uh, mentioned a couple of uh, silver linings coming out of this. I think all of us are in a time of crisis, tend to, to seek uh, you know, a, a grounding of our faith and a, and a regeneration of that faith. Individually, I know we're doing that. I am hopeful that this will lead to that great awakening that our nation needs to reset our moral backdrop, our moral framework in which we conduct our day-to-day lives, uh, and that that will be one of the good things that comes out of this awful, terrible experience that our nation has gone through and is going through, is that we will see a uh, greater reliance on God and a more faithfulness to His His uh, uh, you know, uh, His rules, His laws that uh, that we should be living our lives by. So. Uh, that's for me. That is one of the the things that uh, uh, I hope comes out of this says on on the positive side. Those are beautiful words. We obviously all know, and we as a nation have known great mercies and grace. Uh, but even and, still, and I, I think these these storms do. They make you they make you look for the solid ground. Uh, as opposed to the shifting sands, and it makes it makes you even count your blessings. You know, when you see the downside risk of losing things. It makes you count the blessings that we do know as a nation. So thank you for those words. And thank you, Congressman Conway, for your incredible service to our country uh, and especially to, to rural America. From, from the producers all the way to the, to the consumer, from the rich to the poor, uh, you've been a great later leader for this uh, nation. To all of our listeners, we hope that you and your family stay safe. We're so thankful that the work uh, uh, for the work that you as farmers do to feed, clothe, and fuel America. That's it for this episode of Groundwork. I'm Tom Sell.